Episode 61 of the Coys R Us podcast. We are back again. Uh, we have got a lot to discuss after a bit of a break. In transparency, I got the flu, so that's why we didn't record last week. And there's been a number of games since our last recording. I believe when we recorded episode 60, that was uh, right after we drew with City. Um, so we had the West Ham match. The Newcastle match, and then most recently the Forest match. There's a lot to go over <laughs> between all of that, um, as well as previewing our upcoming match uh, this weekend against who do we play? I don't Everton. Even know. Everton. Oh, right, Everton. Right. Yeah. The only reason I like, pulled it off the top of the head because I saw Deitch in the crowd against Forest, and I was like, "Why is he even there?" And then I looked yeah, at the schedule, and I was like, "Oh, it's Everton next week." You're doing some early scouting. So Kim's here. Jesse's here. I am obviously here, um, and we are going to talk about the last three games, I guess. I mean, coming off of the City match, spirits were high. It seemed like we were maybe over the hump, and then we lose to West Ham at home. Spirits went back down, um, and now we're we're off two consecutive wins on the bounce, which we have not had in a while, as well as a clean sheet, which we also have not had in a while. Despite winning against Forrest, we also picked up a few more cards. Uh, so we're going to have Eve Basuma basically out for the next two months. Um, and Destiny Adogi picked up uh, a yellow card accumulation. So he will not be playing against Everton as well. So it seems like the results have gotten better, but we now have this other issue um, or this ongoing issue of player absences. So Kim, where would you say we are right now? Like when you think about Spurs um, and the current state of the club, like where do you think we are? We're in a position where we're, you know, pushing for top five, top four. We do have all these absences. And yeah, we had like, I mean, it, to me, it was great that we banked all those points early because we did have like a sort of downturn turn in form, but it hasn't really changed how I feel about the team in general. Like I still feel like we're in general on an upward trajectory of like where we're going. And I feel like once we get players back, we should start rattling off results again. So, you know, as long as we're able to continue to navigate this period and not drop too many points, try to stay in as many games as we can, then, you know, I just, I just think we keep, we keep moving. And that's what it kind of feels like is guys went out, guys went down, other people step in. Things have may not have been perfect, but I feel like since Romero has been back, um, there has at least been a little bit of more consistency on the defensive end. Um, where we're not giving up a ton of goals, but you know, I we also seem to be getting past that. Like you know, we we're scoring two again, and I think you know, I'm I'm kind of nervous when we only score one. Like when we're we're uh, up one, because we, we don't keep clean 70, sheets. Well, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> That's why but it, but we don't play, keep clean sheets. But I wouldn't say our defense is bad in the in the same breath. I wouldn't say we have a bad defense. So it's it's I feel like our style of play sometimes leads into us giving up cheap goals. But um, in general, I don't think it's a, it, I don't think of it as too much of a negative. Um, I'm still on board with Ange. I'm still on board with what's happening. Um, and you know, I just feel like we have to get through this period of time and see what's on the other end but like i say we're, we're in fifth right now so can i really complain that much no no definitely not and you talk about the style of play being partially if not mostly responsible for some of the goals that we've conceded and i think some of the points that that people have been making about some of the cards that we've picked up have also been kind of a result of the way that we play and like when we lose the ball we're constantly kind of on the back foot trying to win it back and that pick that allows us to then pick up some silly cards or some iffy challenges that lead to potential reds and i guess that's the other big question jesse maybe if you can help me out here but at what point should we start getting concerned because it seems like we are picking up cards um at a way more rapid pace than anyone else i, I even after the forest game they showed um, a statistic that said something like, you know, we are tied for the most red cards in the league, I think, with Liverpool at four. 
and we lead the league with like 47 yellows or something like that. So understanding that Ange ball is great and everybody's on board with it. Um, like, is this a point of concern and is this even something that's sustainable? We're not even at the halfway mark yet. Yeah, it's not great. Um, definitely not great to see all these reds. Uh, it's, it's especially frustrating. Um, I mean, not surprising necessarily, but like, it's not like these, it's just, it's, it's with, with biz and Romero being the ones that are picking up some of these reds too. It's just like, guys, what are you doing? Like, especially in some of these scenarios, it's like, what are we doing? Like, it just seems Romero could have picked up a red in one of those games. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's like, it's like, dude, like just have a little bit of context, a, a little bit of, of sense for, for what's going on. Um, you know, like obviously it ended up, you know, didn't end up, uh, dropping any points, but it's also like, even if he wasn't going to miss a bunch of games, like that could have been, you know, you're putting your team at a, at a disadvantage against, you know, any, any more high powered offense, if you were to, to, to pick up a red, you know, up two goals with 18 minutes, 20 minutes ago, whatever. So, um, and like that's some of the stuff that's like the 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 uh, I'm not looking at every single red and you know straight red or second red that we've had this year, but those don't feel like oh those are those are good because of the the style of play. Like there's nothing that dictates the style of play that the Basuma's just like Angie's not here coaching. Like hey yeah no just go run and just take a wildly reckless tackle, you know for no reason yeah like that. But again the level of the competition newcastle obviously good but also hurt nottingham forest not not a hugely uh, successful team but um it is nice to see that despite missing all these bodies whether it's because of injury or now suspension that we're you know still able to to get results <clears throat> um so i mean at some point this has to get fixed but it's also you know we don't have the with um with Madison out and Benzinker out, like there's not, you know, not that either of those guys play the exact same type of position um uh, that Biz does. They're just midfielders, but when there's not a much depth, there's less of a chance that um, you know, this stuff will uh will happen. Um uh or, or there's there's like, you know, Biz can be a little more reckless if we know that, hey, you're not going to lose your spot because there's not a whole lot of other midfielders that we've got, you know, able to play for you. Um, so it's uh it's frustrating um to be, yeah, because what he's gonna miss four games and then back for one and then AFCON or something like close to that. I don't even know if I he's gonna be back for even, one. Yeah, I don't think he'll be back at all. I think he'll go straight from being suspended to AFCON. So it would have been really cool if he had done this right before AFCON. Cause then it could have been like, you're not actually missing any games, uh, <laughs> right? you yeah. know, but it also but could have been cool way, if he didn't do it at all. That, that would have been nice. Yeah. I mean, I think to your point, like the frustration for me, especially with that Basuma one is, you know, you're, you're winning a game two nil on the road with, 10, 15 minutes left. Forrest has not really posed any threat. It isn't as if it was such a hotly contested contest uh, or match that you felt the need to kind of lunge out or or even take that tackle in the first place. And so it did feel completely unnecessary. And I do wonder, and the reason I bring up style of play is that I, I, I wonder how much guys feel pressure to win back the ball quickly. Um, I thought... Like Skip has played well off the bench the past couple of matches, but like, you know, he's had some great tackles that like if he was a second late, they would have been awful, <laughs> you know. And yeah. I, I and I do think when a guy toes that line and he makes the play, you're like, yeah, right on, you know. Romero is is the is the golden boy of of that example. But when they don't make the tackle or when they're off by a split second, then you're like, well, what the hell are you thinking? And I think that urgency that we play with to not only score uh but to win the ball back when we don't have it i think might play a factor into the urgency that guys play with sometimes even when it isn't necessarily um required um so like the forest game is a perfect example of a match where you probably don't really need to be urgently trying to win the ball back they really hadn't posed much of a threat except for that one um, header off the corner with that fantastic save by Vicario, which it seems like he has one of those once a game. But outside of that, they didn't 
really seems to lay a glove on him. And so, yeah, it, it's, it is frustrating. And I also think about the fact that you already had a red card earlier this season. So usually you want to see a guy after they come back from a red. Okay. I've already let my team down. I've right. already missed three games. I learned that that's an opportunity for me to kind of prove myself, ingratiate myself back into the team and not do the thing that I did to lose my spot in the first place. Not to mention the fact that we have a laundry list of injuries, which I'm just looking at all the folks that didn't play against Forrest. So you've got Ryan Sessegnon, Rodrigo Bentenker, Van de Ven, Solomon, Madison, Parasich out for the season, Lacelso now injured, Ashley Phillips, um, and Alfie Whiteman as well. So now, on top of that, you look at the starting lineup, and you're not going to have Udogi for the next game against Everton. You're not going to have Eve Basuma for the next basically two months. By the time he plays again, Van de Ven and Madison will be healthy. And so you're putting a further strain on the coaching staff to try to come up with not only a, a lineup against Everton, um, but a bench or even whatever a semblance of a bench may be, because now two more of your starters are going to be unavailable. Are you guys familiar with Monkey's Paw? On, like, no, what's set, that? Like, monkey's Paw? Uh, this guy knocks on your door, and he's got this Monkey's Paw, and he's like, hey, I'm going to give you this Monkey's Paw. You get one wish. Um, but just know the wish will come true. But the way that it comes true is not necessarily the best way. So like an example would be like, I want to get promoted. Well, your boss who you really like just died. Like not great, but you got your wish. Right. Kind of feels like we had a monkey's paw situation. Stay with me here. We were like, man, we're out of the Carabao Cup early. That stinks. We could have, it would have been great to have some more opportunities to see the depth of the squad and give guys that aren't in the in the first choice 11 the opportunity to start. Well, guess what? Everybody else got hurt. Now we're getting our wish. A bunch of the deeper guys that uh, are getting the opportunity to play. Um, we didn't want them to be playing in these games, but we wished for them to be getting opportunities. And we were like sad that we missed out on the Carabao Cup. And now they have opportunities uh, to play. We kind of got our monkey's paw, but not in the way that we wanted, but some of the the younger guys and less tested guys and 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 deeper people are getting the opportunity to uh, to play. Yeah, there's definitely a, a monkey's paw situation going on now because now we've got to figure out um, a way to start some players against Everton on December 23rd. I mean, you got to think that Pierre is probably going to come in for the midfield. Um, he did come in um, as a substitute him and Skip both came in as substitutes against Forrest. Udogi will probably get substituted by um, Emerson Royale, who's who spent time playing on either wing. Uh, so it's not the worst options. And the Udogi one is, is just going to be for one game. Uh, it certainly could be worse, but it's still the principle of it. On the other hand, of course, we see a magnificent performance by Dan Kulisevsky, who had both a goal and an assist. Um, and then Richarlison scoring a third goal in two games. Is is Richie fixed? Yeah. The Richie brace, <laughs> the Richie era, we're in that, it. That pause was, was very confident, too. Well, I mean, like, <laughs> here's the thing. You know, here's the other funny thing. And this is going to be, this will be the test this weekend. But previously, yeah, last few years, as Richie goes, Everton goes. We're in, we're, we're, by the way, we're, we're seeing ourselves in an, in an anti Dr. Tottenham situation where Everton's won four straight and like six out of eight. They're playing their best soccer in years. If Everton uh, had not gotten their points deduction, they would be in like eighth place on the table right now. Yeah, so you look but at... But would they Denver, be in eighth place because, like, I feel like that put a battery in their back because they be. don't want to go down. And I feel like the pride of the players were like, well, like, we're not going to get relegated because of our play. If we get relegated, it's, it's going to be because of this point deduction. Like, to me, that was like a new manager bounce. That 
that points deduction basically felt like a new manager bounce for them where they just, it seemed like, you know, it was the, it's us against the world sort of thing. And when you do that with guys who actually work hard and when Deitch is the kind of guy that can get a team to work hard, you, how many, how many times did he save Burnley from getting relegated? Like, you know, he has that us against the word, us against the world mentality. And I feel like he used it to his benefit um, with them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think, and so maybe that's it. Maybe there's some uh, uh, atmospheric link between Richie and Everton. And when Richie's doing well or when Everton's doing well, Richie's doing well because they both have been <laughs> uh, scorching over the last handful of games and we'll see what happens. I mean, this has got every 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 uh, uh, potential uh, predictor here. This is looking like it's going to be another 5-4 um, match, uh, Spurs versus Everton. Hopefully Spurs with the five this time. I think that's the other interesting thing about the way that Everton's been playing lately is that, you know, they're actually scoring goals. Um, I think especially when they were started the season really poorly and it seemed like they just weren't able to kind of figure it all out and they weren't putting it together. Um, but now they're winning games, their last four games that they all won, they got clean sheets in all of them. Um, they scored three against Newcastle, two against Chelsea, two against Burnley. And so I think especially when Daesh was at Burnley, it felt like there was this, I don't know if it's a stigma or just kind of this reputation that he had of just like he plays 4-4-2, he plays long ball, he's going to sit back, he's going to play low block, and he's going to just try to score on the counter. But his goal is just to make sure that you don't score. And I think now we're seeing that that was more, and he said this himself, um, that he felt that that was a style that he needed to play based on the players that he had at Burnley. And now that he has a different set of players and he's at a different team, we're play we're seeing them play um, a bit of a different style. And so it is interesting. Sean Dyche is a, is a manager that I have always loved. So I'm, I'm happy. Jim yeah, <laughs> obviously I'll be rooting against him on Saturday. Um, but I think it's going to be a really interesting match because uh, Spurs will obviously be the favorite. We will be playing at home. I'm not sure exactly what that means because our home form has actually not been very good. So, um, I, yeah, I don't know what to make of that because it, it feels like we have had better performances on the road than we've had at home. And that has not been the case in recent seasons. Yeah, not a fortress like it uh, like it was uh, at the lane when we went undefeated. I think the the second to last year, the lane, or maybe the last year, of the lane. But and it's not as if it's because we've been playing way, way work, you know, way di- more difficult teams at home. It's a, it's definitely a pickle. It's an interesting situation. This the home support feels like it's been great. Um, I've been been really testing the uh, the supporters with the the continuous one goal uh, or you know blown leads over and over and over yeah, again. Seriously. Um, well, we were, we were. You would say this downturn was like all. It happened right around Chelsea. Like when when we lost our best players, we started losing at home. Like I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah. Not to say that like we should be should do better away than we are at home, but like the fact that it started to happen when we lost Madison and we lost Van de Ven just is not surprising. Um, I feel like it took the team a little while to. I mean, and then we lost Romero for three of those games, so it's like. It took. I feel like it took the team some time to figure out how to play without those two, which makes sense. They were two of our most important players in the, I don't know, first ten games of the season. So to to then figure out how to play without them, how to play without Romero for a couple games, I, I'm not too surprised that we were losing at home. But I I kind of do expect our home form to just start to turn back up, though. Like the game against Villa, Villa is not a bad Villa is a good team. So us it's the one against West Ham to me that was the real um the real annoying one, honestly. Yep. Just well, you know, and, all and things- the goals that we gave up in that game were just so fluky, honestly. <laughs> the West Ham game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, all things considered, we have played 17 games and lost four of them. So uh, not necessarily a situation uh, worth panicking. It it just so happens that all four of those losses came in one big bunch of a run of four matches, uh, five matches. Uh, so in those four losses, three of them were at home, and the one away loss has been uh, away to Wolves, which uh, continued to be our bogey team. 
Um, we were talking about Richie, though, and, and I did want to ask you, Kim, what have you seen from him that looks different? Is he even playing differently, or is it just that he's putting it in the back of the net now? Um, what what have you noticed in the past few games from him? It feels like his first touch is better than it was for the first 10 games of the season before he went out. Um, I feel like he's getting the ball under control. And even if he's like when he's touching it to someone else to move the ball along, that stuff just seems a lot cleaner. I feel like there's a lot less of me saying like, what the fuck, Richie? Like, what are you doing? I, I feel like I haven't really said that in the last like three games. Um, and yeah, he's <laughs> well, that's something. I, I mean, <laughs> Hey, and, and yeah, he's finding himself. I feel like, like, just think about it when, if your hips bothering you, what's that going to do to the way you run, to how fast you can run, to how comfortable you are on the pitch? Like now knowing that and, and I am seeing like, you know, he's, he seems to be finding himself in and around the box a lot more. He was doing it, but it just seems like he's getting in front of and he's also staying on side more than he was before so i think that's yeah, that's a huge difference and then having kulisevsky put in that ball for him like that's the that's the kind of ball that richarlison loves like you that ball was on the platter for him and yeah he had to be brave like he could have got clattered by um what's their goalkeeper's name again Matt Turner. Uh, Matt Turner. Yeah. Matt Turner. He could have got clattered by Matt Turner there, but no, he stood up to the ball and and you know put in a really really good header. So I just feel like he's finding his feet and he's knowing he's going to get a run of games um, because guys are injured. I think also was probably helpful. Like he's not worrying about um, you know who's behind him, and so maybe that's just giving him a little bit more confidence. And you know when and just talking about him, he's talking about him with confidence, and so I feel like he's just in a good place one with the team with how he's feeling on the pitch and it seems to be leading to good things so I expect him to score against Everton I really do um he's that guy that like when he played for Everton he was always scored against Liverpool um like I can see he him like I wouldn't be surprised if he got a brace has he played against them since he's been here I don't know I don't feel like he has um but Maybe not. He wasn't really getting a lot of uh, consistent minutes against Antonio Conte. So I right. this is their for our first time playing them this season anyway. I do remember last year when we played Everton. Kim, that was when we were in Houston together. That was a pretty frustrating match. I think was it was it we ended up scoring early and then blowing the lead late. It's kind of similar to pretty much every other game last season. Yeah, um, towards the end. I'll tell you what I do look forward to. I look forward to the Richie goal and then then, then him not celebrating because that's the funniest thing in soccer culture. Like, yeah, well, he's a he's an Everton boy. He's not going to celebrate in front of the home end. It's like imagine any American sport being like, oh, no, nah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so-and-so scores a, you know, scores a basket or, or hits a game winner or throws a touchdown against a team that he used to play for. It's the exact opposite. Like now it's different being sold, but cut, but like this weekend, uh, Jake Browning, the, 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 the current starting quarterback for the Bengals who got cut by the Vikings, um, they beat the Vikings and he was screaming into the camera. You should have never effing cut me. You should have never effing cut me again, being cut and being sold is definitely a different thing, but it's like, the American sports thing is the opposite. Like if a team lets go over you, I'm going to celebrate harder than I ever have in my life or in soccer. It's like, no, no, you gotta, gotta not celebrate. It's just a, a totally interesting culture, soccer culture thing to me. I always, I always thought it was funny. They'd be like, Oh yeah, he's a, he's a Burnley boy. So he won't, he was a Burnley boy when he was 14 years old. So he won't go, he's not going to celebrate in front of them. Well, it's interesting because your accent started kind of British and then it kind of tailed into Australian. And by the end, you kind of sounded like you were from Texas there. So I, oh, it, was a, it was a little all over the place. But I think one of the differences um, in, in in kind of like British football culture is the the sense that a lot of these guys grew up with these clubs, right? Like they were kind of yeah. signed when they were 10 and 11. And so this is a club that for all intents and purposes, raised you, right? Like you, you think about like the Phil Foden being at City since he was a little boy and then he kind of grows up and plays for City and 
if he were to go somewhere else, I, I would imagine he would feel some type of way about celebrating uh, a goal against the the club that that raised him. So that that probably has something to do with it. But yeah, it it, it will will be very interesting to see if if he bags a goal. And, and Kim, you talked about Richie finding his feet, which is a, an interesting phrase to use because I feel like one of the gripes against him has been that he only scores with his head um, and he scored two not one but two goals with his feet against Newcastle um, in a match that quite frankly they seemed more depleted than we um, both teams had a lot of injuries um, we've been dealing with injuries pretty much throughout that losing streak but they just seemed sluggish on the day. Like they just didn't really have the energy to keep up with us. And I was expecting a little bit more uh, fight from them, but they just did not seem to have it at all. Um, and I don't know how much they may have had their eye on the Champions League match that was coming up, but they just um, really put in a bit of a poor performance. And, and that was uh, a, a game that was relatively easy for us. Yeah, and I, the thing that I will say is that in that match, like, I mean, Karen Drippy got cooked multiple times. Mm-hmm. But what did happen is that someone got to the byline and put a cross, like, put up a low cross in. So, like, if you do that, then Richarlison will probably score with his feet. But if you're not doing that, if you expect him to cre- maybe create his own shot, he's not the greatest at that. But if you're putting in crosses in the air or into his feet, then he's probably going to score. <laughs> Box I'm like, yeah, he's box. always, I feel like he's always gonna, yeah. I mean, you might call him a tapping merchant, but mm, you know, well. <laughs> if, he ta- if he if he taps in 15 goals, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Um ironically, talking about Newcastle, uh, a friend of mine, Ben, is a is a new cat, not not the Ben that's on this podcast, obviously, but a different Ben. Um, he's a Newcastle fan, and he's also been championing Richie. Um throughout the past few months when I've been like, yeah, I don't know about this guy. Like, I just don't think he's got it. And so of course, in the irony of ironies, he scores twice against, against Ben's club. And he's texting me like, Hey man, I told you about that. I told you about that guy, man. He's, I told you he would come good. Um, and then he scored again th- this past weekend and he was texting me again. And I'm just like, ah, hey, you know, I, I'm still not really sold. Um, I think a part of it is probably what Kim was alluding to with like, Yes, he's he's able to, you know, tap in a perfect cross like that's wonderful. Um, But I I still don't know that I rate him as a starting center forward, Um, but he is proving me wrong. And so long may it continue. I had my doubts about Sonny after last season, and he's certainly proven me wrong. And so I am never going to complain when guys are injured and they seem to come back. They seem to figure it out. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's actually a really good point because, you know, you do wonder how much guys having bad seasons or having bad runs of form is just a result of them playing hurt um, versus them just not being able to do the things that they did. Um, Kulisevsky is another perfect example of someone who started off really hot when he signed with Spurs two seasons ago. Last season, he seemed to have a dip in form. A lot of us were saying maybe he's reverting to the mean. um, And now it seems like he's kind of starting to get hot again. And really that resurgence seems to have been connected to him being able to play the 10. Um, Again, talking about the monkey's paw effect, we only got to see him play the 10 because Madison got hurt. Um, But since it's happened, we're now seeing a side of Kulisevsky that we didn't see when he was only playing on the right wing. And when he gets to start games in the middle and then move out to the right wing, it still feels like he's now gotten into the groove of the game and he's playing that right wing position even better than he had when he was playing there for the entire match. Kulisevsky is a player that it seems like we stole for $30 million. Um, Paradici should be uh, going to prison for, 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 for what what he was able to pull off. Uh, if not for everything else that he was able to pull off. But uh, between the Bensinker and the Udogi and the Kulisevsky, I mean, Vicario, it seems like we were able to steal some really good players for cheap that were pretty much just under the radar. And that has not been a strong suit 
for Spurs really in the past. <laughs> uh, Pre-Paratici, it seems like now we're able to, like if you leave, you look at our lineup, um, a lot of those guys were not highly touted outside of maybe Romero. Um, even Madison, who was a proven Premier League player, we really didn't have any competition for, and we got him for forty million. Like it's it's kind of bizarre that we have been able to kind of grab these high level, highly rated, well, not highly rated players, but they're highly rated now, and they're playing well under Ange. I mean, the Madison one, I think was it was just like the biggest secret of just like he's going to sign with the London club. Chelsea had the rule about not signing anybody over twenty four or whatever. And, uh, in, you know, he wasn't going to go to Crystal Palace. And so it and Arsenal was was all in on spending all their money on uh, on Declan Rice. So it was just sort of like that was just a, a a good circumstance where it was like there was only one fit. But, yeah, I mean, we've been we've been signing the right guys and and uh, and it's been good. But this January is going to be very, very critical. I know I, I'd sent one in the, in the group chat the other day of the, um, I don't even remember the guy's name, but, uh, some. Adiba. Some six. In the Italian, in the, um, in Syria. Ah, and it, somebody was saying that it was looking like it was very likely. Um, so like, I don't even know, who, you know, a lot of times you're not going to be hearing who these guys are. And then all of a sudden we're going to, we're going to sign them. Right. I mean, look at some of the best signings. Oh, no, Jesse, let, don't, don't get me wrong. At this point, I only want us to sign players I'd never heard of. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't want us signing anybody that looks like they're the guy that everybody wants. You know, the Vic, Victor Osman and and uh, Dusan Vlaovic and all these flashy names. No, give me the Van de Vans, Give me the Vicaros. Give me the guys that I've never heard of before, because these are the guys that are working out for us. You talk about you. You brought up uh, Arsenal spending all that money on uh, Declan Rice, and, and it makes me think about the other big signing that they made this summer, David Raya, who was allegedly our number one pick. And it turns out that the guy that we got on uh, on a discount ends up being better than the guy that was our number one. So at this point, it's just like if I know who you are, I don't want you. I only want <laughs> Pasta Coglu is a perfect example. I didn't know who he was. Um, and so, like, I, yeah, let's let's just keep signing these players that I've never heard of uh, because that seems to be working. And I think the other part of that, too, though, is the, you know, the the comment you made about, like, who was our number one choice? Like, probably like we think Raya was the number one choice. That was maybe the first person we we went at, um, you know, like. But so there's also that stuff of like we also don't know the the inner machinations of of what who actually the the first choice is. And those kind of things are and like, right, like it, it, this gets proved a lot. There was there's no you know, there was no way that Spurs fans are like, oh, yeah, let's go get Vicario. Let's go get Kulisevsky and Benteke. They're not even playing for you, but let's go get him. Right. So like, let's let the people do what they do. Um, but it's been working out so far. So, yeah, I'm with you. Let's sign two center backs I'd never even heard of before in my life in uh in january and then let's go uh make a you know make a run to to the you know towards the top of the table if we can if we can stay in there i think i mean this again this year is you know there, there'll probably never be a year again that's as as winnable of a league as 2000 the lester year 16 whatever 15, that last 16. year was but this this season seems pretty open like 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 there's um city not... just keeps dropping points and i'm like yeah city what? keeps dropping points like obviously like liverpool is is doing well but like nobody's completely run like already at this point there's arsenal's top of the table they have three draws two losses who only has one loss uh but five draws like there's been a there's there's of the top five teams everyone's dropped points in theory from at least at least five matches through 17 games that's a lot now, sure, someone can go on a run. We've seen City and Liverpool go on runs where it's like, yeah, now we're just going to go three months and just pick up wins, you know, every game. But um, this is a a more open year, not only for the 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 top, which is you know harder to say now when we're whatever it is, uh, uh, you know, six eight points back from the top. But like it's that's a that's a week and a half. Like things can can change. Um, so yeah, Unai Emery's Aston Villa in third place right now, above Man City. So certainly a wide open league because I don't think anybody had that um, coming into the season. I don't think Mrs. Emery was even that confident. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably not. Oh, and you talk about all of the matches coming up and, and what the premier league likes to call their festive fixture season. And so 
we are now in that part of the year with a, a bunch of games, multiple games a, a year, uh, multiple games a week, rather, I should say. Uh, this week, uh, midweek, we do not have a match because they are going to be the Carabao Cup uh, quarterfinals, I believe, um, which we promptly exited back in August. Um, so we've got our weekend match against Everton, followed by a midweek match against Brighton on Thursday the 28th, and then a New Year's Eve match against Burnmouth. Um, and in addition to that, with 17 games played, uh, the next two games will 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 get us to the halfway mark of 19, um, after which Burnmouth will be our first team that we will play for a second time. I was talking to some of the guys from DC Spurs about this, and I wanted to ask to see what you guys' opinion was. But now that we are approaching the midway point of the season, I'm wondering, thus far, after 17 games played, who do you have as your Spurs player of the season thus far? Pedro Porro. He's mine. Pedro Porro. Okay. I think I think so, yeah. I, I just feel like defensively he's been – a lot better and maybe it's my expectations of him I didn't think he was going to be that great defensively but he's probably leading us in assist um and just seems to continually put in dangerous balls like every game he's probably putting into dangerous balls into the box and he's making clean tackles he's not a guy that's picking up a bunch of yellow cards I mean I feel like there's other guys you can say and that other guys other people will say but I just feel like his energy um and just the way he's playing is it's just got me very excited about him so i mean you could say other guys too i i have another list well, i have a list no, of no, listen guys, this is this is all about what you think I'm, this is all about who you would pick as your player of the season after 17 yeah. games and you're right he yeah. is leading our team uh with five assists on the season tied with james madison so not a bad pick and i and i agree i mean i feel like he has shown probably more than any other player, uh, a really strong ability on both sides of the ball. I mean, you could probably also say the same for Udogi, but he's not as much of an offensive threat. Um, and the way that he has been able to kind of ping balls, but then also just interconnected play to kind of keep the possession going on offense. Um, I think he adds a little bit more offensively than Udogi does. And so, if I were to pick a player that is equally important, both defensively and offensively, he he would probably be at the top of that list. Jesse, who do you who do you have for player of the season? Three syllables, big dick Vic. <laughs> uh, you know, Good choice, man. keeper Good choice. has been you know it was a strength of ours for a while at, at peak Hugo, and then it it became difficult, and he just seems like especially where, you know, we've had issues at center back. We've had issues down the middle defensive. Like we've had a lot of, of the issues in front of him. He's new to this league, uh, new to, you know, such a, a bunch of new pieces in the defensive midfield and the midfield, uh, you know, and, and he's adjusted to it well as uh, at all and, and has covered up probably a lot of mistakes and some issues that we've, we've had. And he's had to play games, you know, with a, a man down. Um, right. So post shot expected goals, minus goals allowed, yada, yada, positive numbers suggest, um, an above average ability to stop, um, shots. So Spurs are leading the league. Um, but basically like, I'm, I'm, I think that the, 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 the basic of this stat is what the XG is and then if it's a goal or not. And so a higher number is good. A lower number is bad. Spurs have a 5.0, which is highest in the league. Lucario's played every single minute of every single game. Um, second place is United at 4.1. So he's almost a full goal better um, uh, than uh, than second place. Um, he's got 5.0. Uh, next place is United at 4.1. So that's a 0.9 differential between first and second. Then there's a point not there's a 1.0 differential between second and sixth. So Lucario is is it, um, you know, you got to stop goals, you got to score goals. Uh, there's obviously a lot that goes into both of those things. Um, but, uh, but he's been, he's been incredibly, an incredible shot stopper this year. And, uh, and, 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 a, a time that uh, we needed it. Cause if some of the stuff that, uh, that 
whether it's, you know, adjusting to the new and system or not having our defensive spine as intact as we'd like it to be. Um, the buck ends with uh, the keeper and the ball has stopped with, uh, with Vicario. So he's got my player of the year so far. It's funny because at the beginning of the season, you know, we, we were actually coming in with a, a bit of a clean slate. So many new players, so many players I had never actually even seen play football before. And Vicario was one of them. And, you know, just kind of going into the season. All right, let's see how the system looks with this new coach and let's see how these players look. And you're kind of just keeping an open mind. And I remember the first thing I really noticed about him was all those crazy facial expressions he was making. And I was like, I don't know if this guy's going to end up being any good, but I like him anyway. He's fun. And turns out (laughs) he's actually pretty good. I mean, for my money, outside of maybe Allison at Liverpool, I can't think of a better goalie in the Premier League. He's been that good and just really outstanding. And if you think about, to your point, like, there's probably at least one big chance. Yes, that should be a goal that he saves every game. So if you're basically taking a goal away from the opposition at least once every game, yeah. that's that's just immense. Um, and I'm really glad that that you said Vic and that and that Kim that you said Poro uh, because I have a completely different person and I and I didn't want any of us to have the same person. So that's that's good for me. But I'm going to go a little conventional here and go with the captain. I'm going with Sonny. Like I said, I was a little fed up last season. I was like, you know what? We don't move on from these guys soon enough. We always wait until they're washed up. We saw what happened with Dyer. We should have sold them to United. You know what? If this is the opportunity for us to really start over, maybe we need to just get rid of all of the old Pochettino guys and start over with a brand new team. And Sonny just looked like he was off the pace. He's on the other side of 30. I was just ready to kind of move on, take the money, and and redistribute it somewhere else. And I'm really, really glad that I was wrong um, because he has been... I mean, the numbers are the numbers, right? 10 goals, 4 assists, and 17 matches. Um, he is and will continue to be our biggest offensive threat. Uh, we saw him bag the club's first penalty of the season. Um, and I also think outside of just what he's been able to do on the pitch in terms of scoring and assisting is him as captain is something that I didn't know how much I needed. <laughs> um, but it seems like and this is kind of intangible and maybe this is nonsense because I don't really have anything evidential to put behind this, but I do feel like he is someone that everyone on the team likes. And with us having such a young team, they look up to him and he's class. So it's like, all right, this guy's actually really likable. He's really personable. He demands a lot from us, um, but he's also one of the best players in the league. And him being in a position of leadership, I think, has really helped to create more of a family unit, which we obviously did not have last season. Now, obviously, part of that also has to do with the fact that we were dropping games. And when you're losing, nobody really feels like much of a family. But I think that having Sonny as the leader of the team um, has also encouraged him to be more of a vocal leader. Uh, and I think that he's added a dimension to the team as a unit that we would not have had had Harry stayed and became the captain for the team instead. And so in that sense, you know, I can't believe I'm even saying this, but like I don't really even think about not having Harry. Um, and if you told me that a year ago, I would have laughed because everything that we did really revolved around him. And if he had a bad game, then we had a bad game. And that was it. Um, I feel like the team is a lot more well-rounded now. And that has allowed Sonny to lead without feeling the constant pressure of like, I have to score every week. Um, But that said, I'm, 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 I mean, he could very easily get another 20 goal season, uh, we're not even at the halfway mark, and he are, he's already got 10. So I actually would expect him to, to end up bagging 20 goals this year. 
Yeah, um, no, this... um, I watched an interview that um Romero did with Ozzy Ardilas about like you know them both winning the World Cup. It's been like a year since uh Romero won the World Cup, and so I guess they were doing something around that. And Ozzy asked him like you know he congratulated him for being a vice captain, and he asked him just exactly how Sonny is as a captain, and he basically said exactly what you said. He was like, he's provided just leadership and every like you said everyone loves him like that you can see Sonny is a guy that will embrace every single guy like and give them a huge hug and he seems to talk to everybody um on the team and he was doing that before he was even captain it seemed like Sonny had always had the sort of personality that everyone gravitated towards and I feel like making him the captain it improved not it just improved but it it used what he already had and elevated that to another level and i i feel like that's just what we're seeing is um it's just like the elevation of sort of the skills that he already had that are now being totally pushed to the forefront because he is the captain such a likable guy and i was mentioning to you guys uh a couple of days ago that i was watching this you know video that the club put out about like um the pots potspur holiday how, something i don't know it was it was some silly yeah, yeah, game yeah. that they were playing where a bunch of the team were put into groups and they were being asked to grab different things in the team store and sunny was on a team with pape sar and it's just funny watching him in those environments because he's just like so giddy he gets so into it and these are obviously like club mandated things that they have to do as a part of you know their contract and Brennan Johnson's there and he's like such a shy figure and he's just kind of answering only when he's spoken to Sonny's cracking jokes. He's like he's taking it a little seriously, uh, you know, like you could tell he has that competitive spirit, even though it's like a silly game. But I imagine that that attitude on the practice pitch um, also shines through. Right. And and you got to think about the fact that this is a guy who is an international superstar. Like he has no reason to really embrace the younger players. He doesn't need to do that, uh, but it just is who he is. And even just the way that you see him interact with the media or when you see random videos of him meeting fans and taking time to take pictures and sign autographs. And it just feels like he doesn't take himself too seriously, despite the fact that he is a megastar. Um, and I think that attitude really allows everybody else to feel a little bit more free. And so... Yeah, that's my guy. This is the Coys R Us podcast. We can be found on Twitter and on Instagram at Coys R Us podcast, which is pretty easy to remember. Um, feel free to reach out with any questions or comments or things that you would like for us to answer on the next episode. Um, coming up, as we said, we do have Everton at home on the 23rd. Uh, we did a little bit of a preview for Everton already. Um, and so I think the only thing left for us to do is to give our predictions. And if you've been keeping track at home, uh, the predictions table for the Coys R Us podcast has been tight. Very tight. It's as, as tight as the Premier League table. It is as tight as the Premier League table right now. <laughs> um, I have maintained, uh, well, no, I have not maintained anything. Jesse has the lead with 18 points. Um, I am in second. I've, I've taken a, a string of losses after our string of losses, I, I had a bunch of negative predictions that ended up going wrong because we got it together and started winning. So I'm in second with 16. Kim's on 15 points and Ben is on 14. So but the, anything the can gap, change any week. The, the gap the gap could completely change before the new year. Um, we could all pick up some some wins here um, or some losses. So it's a, this is this is all become very important now. Everton at home. This is a tricky game. Like I, I do feel like this is a game that we should still be able to win. It would be nice to get back to winning ways at home. Um, I, I do think that this is going to be harder than the last two games that we've had, though. I do expect them to put up more of a fight than Forest and Newcastle. I just don't know that they have the personnel um, to be able to contend with us. I think what's going to go in Everton's favor, of course, is the fact that our team is severely depleted. Um, and so right now, um, we are likely looking at a back four of Poro, Romero, Davis, and Royale. 
And then in our midfield, we'll have Pape Sar with Pierre Hoybier and uh, Kulisevsky. And then our front three will be our front three. I'm actually wondering if Ange is going to start Skip because Skip has come on before Hoiberg, I think, in matches. Um, That's true. He has. And I honestly think Skip would be. I feel like he's probably better playing the six than he is the eight personally um so i would like to see him play the six and that's that's really i would i would love to see the lineup and actually see him in the sixth spot um and just see how he actually performs because if he does well then that's someone that we can look to put in the sixth spot for the next few games i'll assume is out but i think we know what hoiberg is i would i would like actually like to see skip and see um if he's able to perform there i feel like in the eighth spot he just doesn't have enough offensively. He does well enough, but I don't think he's like his um his play in the box can be sort of tentative. And so I'd prefer to see someone in the eight role who is looking more to score and looking more to assist in the box. Fair enough. Do you have a prediction? Uh three, two spurs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. I was thinking something similar. I don't know if I'm giving them a little bit too too much respect with uh, the assumption that they're going to score twice, but yeah, that's that's where I was. It's either, I was either thinking three one or three two. Everton does have a cup match tomorrow, so theirs is on the earlier side. So I think they have enough time to recover um, before Saturday, but they have a match midweek that we don't. So yeah, I think I'm going to go two one Spurs. I think I feel good about a two, a two-one, bit of a nervy game, but one that we should still be able to control. I'll take one from each. I'm gonna go three-one Spurs. Uh, I think we're gonna score. I think they're gonna score. Um, I think the third will be like a late one, so I think it'll be a pretty close game um, throughout, and the third will be like a ninety-third minute or something. Like, okay, now we're done. Um. But yeah, I think it I think it could be a high scoring affair. There you have it. Let's get three points and hopefully nine points between now and the new year. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs.